Hello, everybody, and welcome to Game Setters Review. Do we have something amazing for you today? Despite the fact that I am in a tornado watch right now, there's tornadoes all over the country. Maybe we won't be here. Maybe my power will go out. I don't know, but I am so excited about the article that Cody lined up for us tonight. I, I can't even tell you. I've got goosebumps. My, I'm, I'm buzzing. Tell me about it, Cody. It's, it's, it's one that'll give you a buzz. This is Magna Giants uh, Digra India 2021 conference keynote called White Protagonism and Imperial Pleasures in Game Design. And boy, is it a pleasure to read. You can watch it on YouTube. Uh, it's an hour and 18 minutes long, or you can read it in her Medium post. Um, either way, it is one to engage with deeply and carefully, and I know I'll be returning to it. It just doesn't get better than this. Every line is not only spot on and really articulating things that yeah, I know you and I and many people in game studies have been thinking for a long time. It, it articulates it beautifully. It has this amazing framework to give us, um, but it's be it's beautifully written. Just everything about it is is where I this is my this is where we want game studies to be right here. I, I want to try to respect Alex's time frame with uh, the inclement weather, uh, so I'll I'll try to jump us in. Uh, she is writing about uh, colonialism and capitalism in games, um, and she recognizes that colonialism and capitalism are intertwined. And she says that we have to recognize the structures of the world uh, to talk about decolonializing games. We can't just pretend that um, you know, games don't aren't, aren't embedded with and intertwined with um, these systems in life and in the world. She says and, that and video. Let me just jump in real quick, because there are people I know who study games who the second you bring up decolonizing games or white protagonism are going to roll their eyes. They're going to say, this isn't for me. It's going to be some academic blah, 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 that I can't do anything with. That is not this article. This article is hopeful. It's looking towards the future of games in this type of diversity. It's looking at the ways games fail by through this colonialism. Like it is not, it is not navel gazing. It is not um, an academic project. Like this is clutch to the future of games. So even if your eyes, you know, glaze over at this at social justice work. Like this is crucial to the future of games, I think. So don't just listen if you're already predisposed to like this. Everybody needs to listen to this. Yeah, this is one of those messages that more people need to hear. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm I'm grateful uh, that she is giving you know the keynote at Digra yeah, to sure. to help you know you know convey the message. And I think it's um, splendid. Uh, so she says, she says that video games are the highest form of capitalist art and a distinctly imperial pleasure. Uh, she writes, clearly the empire thrives in the ways mainstream video games imagine their players and worlds, end quote. And also, quote, white protagonism is pernicious and I believe important to name uh, and, and design against because it is one of the ways video games are made hostile places for non-white people, colonized peoples, and marginalized peoples, end quote. Mm -hmm. So that is, you know, the kind of intro to this. She is confronting games as imperialist, capitalist art, um, part and parcel with a colonial and capitalist world. 
system and she is trying to recognize the ways that white protagonism exists in games so as to confront them so then this has two fallouts this type of uh looking at the the way games are formed this way it has two fallouts which is um that games become homogenous which they definitely do joke about all of the you know covers of triple a games with the white male protagonist holding a gun with the same pose that's right they become homogenous and we will die as a creative medium because of the second piece which is games become all about exploiting characters you don't make games to be creative you don't make games to um have people and players explore their different ideas i mean cow clicker okay so but you make games to to like uh to grab the player and addict them because it's this capitalist it's mind extractive. Frame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and looking at it through this lens perfectly explains the two things that really bother me about games that they be are, they become homogenous and they exploit the player and nobody wants that to happen. Nobody wants that to happen. So what do we do? That, about- it's like, well, but you should care about exploring other avenues of play and other opportunities that the medium affords and we cannot do that unless we decolonize games and i remember back when i was teaching business writing we had franz johansson at purdue uh, as a guest speaker we read his book the medici effect and he was saying the the number one thing we know about innovation is that it comes through diversity and and not just ethnic diversity not just gender diversity not just economic diversity, but diversity of expertise, diversity of opinion, diversity of worldview, like diversity breeds innovation and video games, because they are this colonialism, capitalism intertwinement um, has effectively murdered that type of innovation. And her project is, is bringing that back all the while recognizing the true exploits that it's done to marginalize people yeah. women of women people of color who play video games exactly and she has a, a great line as well about why this is so important she writes quote the fact that this cultural territory is so contested speaks to its value it is important to resist the cologne uh, colonization of video games because of the increasing cultural dominance of the video of video games and specifically because of how effective video games are as tools of cultural imperialism we must not cede this space to dominant culture and i think that mm-hmm. beautifully kind of mm-hmm. captures uh why this work is necessary um while a- acknowledging that games are so culturally dominant yeah, and th- um, thankfully we still have, we have indie studios we have twine we have um i just saw uh, co- uh this week uh cat Schreier and her group they're coming up with like uh 50 games to play uh that f- like very short articles about like that that forefront diversity somehow so there there this work is happening but it's not dominant and if if game culture becomes culture culture we need to be pretty careful about what we're doing yes yes um so she she is trying to kind of name some of the fantasies of uh colonialism capitalism in video games uh that uh it as she says colludes with to Mm -hmm. open up possibilities of resistance subversion and sabotage uh and she frames a really important question uh what are the kinds of pleasures that are easy to offer people and players inside a culture of spectacle and alienation. And these are the ones that are rooted in white protagonism that she identifies. And I think she 
makes a brilliant connection between Umberto Eco's model reader, his concept of the model reader, and what she identifies as white protagonism, which conflates player and protagonist and thus white player as white protagonist and thus model protagonist. And this conflation, she argues, results in, quote, unspoken, an unspoken set of rules, instincts, mm-hmm. tendencies, design frameworks around the very idea of protagonism in games, end quote. And so she is uh, trying to mark and identify whiteness in order to realize possibilities for protagonists and design that isn't white. And she goes on to list a number of ways to identify and mark whiteness in protagonism. Um, I'm just going to give you the the kind of real fast read of them. So mm-hmm. feel free to like reduce it to you know half speed if I go too fast. Uh, white protagonist is the hero. The white protagonist is the only entity that matters in the world, which is to say the only human in the world of objects. The white protagonist will increase in power as the story unfolds. The white protagonist experiences limitation of their power solely in order to overcome it. The white protagonist must act and rarely be acted upon or the white protagonist will decide. The white protagonist will be forgiven. The white protagonist is an individualist. The white protagonist is uniquely suited to protagonism. The white protagonist wields a gun. The white protagonist remakes the world as self-expression. The white protagonist does not see race, nor goes uh, the ga- nor does the game see the white protagonist through the lens of race. And this is like, beautifully capturing how limiting games are when they are so tethered to whiteness, right? Like how many games can we imagine where these don't apply and how the gameplay is um, challenged because it steps outside of, you know, a framework indebted to whiteness and kind of colonial capitalism. Yeah, absolutely. And, and game game studies has been talking about this, the white protagonist, white mid oh, yeah. mid 30s protagonist for a for a long time, but never with this um specificity and this colonialist capitalist mindset, which to me clarifies a lot of game studies project around these issues. Like it just it it gives us the framework that at at least I felt like I was missing to, to interrogate a lot of the things I'm seeing. It gives that framework just beautifully. I I have a couple contribution quotes here that I found as well. Um, One of the things that I thought was really important to note is that the work doesn't end. This doesn't have closure. So we're never going to get to a point where we're like, Oh, games aren't racist anymore. Huzzah. They're not we solved Colonialist it anymore. Done. Pack, pack it up, people. Pack it up. We'll just close that section of the library. No longer needed. Um, it's it's uh, it's always going to be be working, and it's and it's always going to be getting better. I hope. I have a couple more here. Naming, defining, categorization are colonial modes, and by turning them on the dominant fantasy, I hope to explode its singular vision and replication of sameness into infinites of possibility. She has this critique of game studies theory that we are always trying to define and pin down and, you know, underline like exactly what games are and what play is and what this is. And she just like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think I even pulled out a quote where she's taking that to task. And I was like, Hey, Alex, this quote is like written for you. She is 
uninterested in defining games and is much more interested in the effects that games have. That's that's um, awesome because that and, is that has yeah. been my heart the whole time I've been studying games. I'm glad you pulled that out. Uh, we've had a we've had a crazy couple of weeks here, so I, I didn't actually read through your notes before I put mine in, but I'm not surprised we both found that. Um, I thought this was great for game designers, and I think about my students in my game design classes. Uh, in game design, we can see this as a tendency towards attention-seeking design, a design which seeks to colonize the player's time and attention to be demanding with, quote, attention economy. Possessive design, games that guilt or punish you for leaving them, that reward you for engagement. And these are the ones that have for sure captured me in my lifetime. Uh, they pull the player's attention neurotically because any gap or loosening of control or potential moment, moment of inattention is a moment where that player may become distracted because there are a thousand other bright pleasures in competition for the consumer's attention. Fucking put a period on that stamp <laughs> and send it to every single game design studio, right? And it's always bothered you, and it's and it's recently bothered me. I've always loved those games, but I know the uh, micro transaction games and that type of game ha has always left you unsettled. And uh, and and reading through this just it just puts words to that feeling. It's it's a call to design games that let you go, mm. right? Mm. That the core gameplay loop isn't about you know conquering your attention. Yep colonizing your energy, but letting you go. Uh, and normally I'd say like, oh, that's great in theory, but like what, what could possibly do that? But she actually she gives comes examples. up with really good examples really and good examples. really good theories behind what that could possibly look like. Um, and, yeah. and if games, here's another quote, if games are about self-actualization, they should be about self-actualization of the player, not the self-actualization of the designer. The game is not the designer, just as the book is not the author. And it's just, it's just so beautiful. There, there's, and she, there, the, what we, our quotes, I think are inspiring, but she has concrete stuff in here too. Uh, why don't we yes. move on to gaps? None. Moving we on. have a huge, speaking of gaps in our uh, Google doc notes here, there's nothing. There's nothing. I mean, I, no. I it's just, I, I had initially, uh, like any time an academic starts throwing around like neoliberalism uh, and like terms like that, I, I don't say think she's an I, academic, I, Cody, but continue. I mean, I, I guess we should be thankful for that because it means we can understand what she's saying. <laughs> I'm going to say, I think there might be a reason this is so good, but, can, but yes. Um, anyway. Anytime, any, okay, I'll, I'll let me rephrase. Uh, anytime anybody. <laughs> throws Fair around enough. a term Fair like enough. neoliberalism i want to hold up a finger and just say just hold up can we get it how how do you define that because that is one of those um kind of floating signifiers for a lot of folks that can mean whatever bad thing others want it to mean but um i don't need it yeah. i don't need it i didn't i didn't miss it that was it's pedantic i had a i almost had a reply guy moment mm. uh, almost and i caught myself and was like wait and then i i waited and i it, you know just i stayed with her and her thinking and i was satisfied yeah. like there was you know i i um had to kind of check myself and was rewarded for that in the sense that 
she does great hedging in qualifying. Um, I think there's an important lesson to be taken away in the connection between the white hero, uh, save the world on your own fantasy, to the right. pessimism that results from not being able to do so, um, because real save the world efforts require kind of collective sustained action that she points. So games need to provide opportunities for fantasy through design that show other ways of of being in the world and how american and, and individualist is absolutely that, right like that's well america is the number one most individualist country in the world uh and that's part of this the sickness of colonial capitalism and and that's in games yeah. she has a, an incredible line that i love um the moral lesson of a video game cannot be delivered through story at the end it is delivered through the experience of play. And so this is not just a call to like write better stories or have better representation. Yeah. This is fundamentally about design. Yeah. Right. Um, in, in really integral ways. Uh, I did have some one. No, wait, I got a great, I got a, since we're go, still on go, love, I got, a, go. I got two amazing quotes here. Uh, personally, I believe that those of us who make our living engaging with human fantasies and imaginations ought to have a healthy paranoia of the systems of power that seek to order it. And how yes. game studies is that, right? Like yes. paranoid about the man, we all should be. And and we're making our living with imagination and fantasy. Why would we ever order that? That's silly. Uh, and then this quote, which is very uh, connected to that, uh, which is just so beautiful. I think the role of the artist, the opportunity of the artist as to be able to say to the audience, hey, this dark dream we've been, you've been sold, it's not the only dream in town. And here, dream a better one with me. Dream a hundred different ones. There is an alternative. Let's imagine our way out of this reality together. I, I just, I, even, even now, like I get a little, like, I feel that in my chest, if I was alone and not on the podcast with you, I might have a tear. Uh, it's just, yeah. it's so beautiful. And it's so perfectly encapsulated. I think what many of us found as our pull to games when we were kids is this imagination and, and this dream and, and it's gone. There have been many games that have not gone down this path. I'm not saying games are moving in this direction hundred uh, percent, but there, but games as a whole have, have moved in a direction that I don't think many of us are satisfied with. And, and this just perfectly encapsulated there. Let's imagine our way out of this reality together. It's just absolutely beautiful. It's, so it's beautiful. Uh, you had a moment. Well, so the, I just want to say that this is the kind of text that I'll be returning to and like sitting with for a long time mm -hmm. because it is filled with so many like important points and wonderful quotes um, and, and just a depth of thinking that I think game studies really needs. Yeah. Um, I did have some questions, um, not really even her moments aside from like, hmm, that makes me think. Yeah. Mm. She writes, uh, mm, if moments. video games are effective tools for the oppressor, doesn't that also imply that they can be effective tools in the struggle against oppression? And I have to wonder about like what Lord has to say about, you know, Audrey Lord about the master's tools, right? Yeah, absolutely. Can the master's tools unmake the master's house. Um, so she's continuing um, on this kind of path that makes that's like saying to me, master's tools, uh, when she writes naming, defining 
and categorization are colonial modes. And by turning them on the dominant fantasy, I hope to explode at singular vision, which was is the quote that you had said earlier. But like, I'm taking what the dominant thing is and using it to explode itself seems like a very master's tools kind of thing. And so I'm not saying it doesn't work. I, I'm just, it makes me, it makes me want to think about that and the possibilities and spaces How great is that? for that. Um, and so I think there's a really important lesson that she's drawing from uh, Mishra's bland fanatics. Mm -hmm. which is the fantasy of Anglo-American imperialism that has warped uh, the ways of being in the world through, quote, a regime of repression and suppression, which require uh, an enormous amount of emotional and intellectual labor to overcome, particularly if you're white. So this is an important point to make, but equally important, more importantly, perhaps, is that white folks have a choice to confront this, right? And others do not. And so, mm -hmm. but it's a great point to show how imperialism, you know, white imperialism hurts white folks as well. Everybody needs to care about this, right? Because all, all of this repression and suppression of alternate ways of being in the world are smothered by colonialism, imperialism, and capitalism. And you don't uh, get to follow along with the logic of, yeah, I agree. We need less homogeneity. We, we need this. We need that. We need that. But Nah, I don't, you know, care about that other part. Let's let's <laughs> um, let's pretend that this isn't doing right violence to people, right? Just gonna ignore that part. So, what's our bottom line? Read it, watch it, sit with it. It's important. Um, and if we can do anything to signal boost this, then you know, if if we have uh, if uh, listeners, then I hope that they will take our advice to check this out. Um, yeah, you don't need to send our podcast. I mean, we're doing this regardless. We don't care. You need to send yeah. this article, this YouTube around like this. Her words need to get out there. Yeah, she writes. The reality of the industry is that we have a deep store of knowledge, practice, precedent, language, and even empathetic understanding of human psychology, but is most often deployed in the service of extracting profit rather than in the service of the player's real human needs. And I think uh, she ends on such an uplifting note and a call to action for those in industry and in academia mm -hmm. to not be despondent and despair because they can't be the white protagonist who, you know, single-handedly with an article or book overthrows the structures and yokes of imperial capitalism and uh, whiteness, but to collectively rise to the occasion. And what a, what a call it is. Read this. Read it. Watch it. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, email us, gamestudiesreview at gmail.com if you have another article for us to review. Um, but really, just go, just go read this article. Just go read it. Read it right now. All right. Have a good night. Survive the storms. Survive the storms.